For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. Uh, we're going bare bones this tonight. We've had some, uh, some streaming issues, to say the least. But hopefully um, we're going to be, we'll get a good show in here. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. My name is Tony Dunn. They call me the professor. You can follow me on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. I'm here tonight with Cody Lashney to chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Cody, rough start, but uh, we're going to get through it. Yeah, man, we always do. Uh, I want to thank all the people in the chat, all of our uh, diehards. That are still with us, and uh, we're gonna have a good show tonight, man. This train keeps on rolling, and uh, I'm ready to go, man. Let's do it. Tuesday right. night. Tonight is the first episode of the season, episode 19.1. The show is titled Atlas Shrug, Ty- uh, Tyrell the Gazelle, and Defense Wins Championships. We're going to be talking about uh, Cam Newton, some of uh, the the latest news surrounding his surgery, the retirement of Julius Peppers, a little news out of David Tepper making some donations. We'll talk Super Bowl and some different things. Be sure to go ahead, jump in the new chat room, uh, subscribe to the show, turn your phone from uh, landscape to portrait mode, smash that thumbs up button. Um, if you're listening on any other device, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, make sure you subscribe and uh, consider leaving a review. You can even consider donating to the show. Thank you, everyone. All right, we're here now. Let's go ahead and start with, I guess, the first and most important news. And the reason we call it Atlas Shrugged uh, is the world is on Cam Newton's shoulders. The weight of the world. And after... News uh, surrounding a, a a press conference where David Newton had covered some comments a little liberally, liberally when it comes to David Tepper and stating what they could do concerning Cam Newton. They even floated out there the idea, or at least David Newton from ESPN suggested that Cam Newton could sit the entire year. Uh, which was uh, seemed to be far a liberal use of the wording out of lacking context. And, but ESPN ran with the story. And, and I think that they ran it hard nationally for a couple of days. And that then, I think, made us even more concerned. Cam Newton then goes under the knife over the last week. And uh, we talked about it in the last show, I believe. Cleanup surgery. But news coming out of this, at least, Cody, is that it sounds like positive reports that they believe Cam Newton will be ready for training camp at this point. I got to say that I feel at this point, I actually feel the best I've felt. The shroud of mystery is gone for me. We've done something. It's rehabilitation time. And I think that training camp could clearly be an option for Cam Newton. I hope so, man. Uh, I remember in 2016 or uh, 17 going into the season when we didn't really know uh, what the health of Cam Newton's shoulder was, and it was up and down. There were parts of the training camp where he didn't participate at all. 
then he was limited, then he was trying to do as much as possible. Um, I don't know, man. I'm of the mindset that I'll believe it when I see it. Not that I'm doubting the reports of him being healthy and him being okay and everything seeming to be a kosher moving forward. But listen, man, I'm not confident until I see Cam Newton throwing a ball down the field, man, the old Cam Newton. Until I see that, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sleeping as easy as I want to be. But I am happy that there is news coming out that um, isn't as bad as we felt before. Smaller, it sounds like, I mean, clearly since the team physician did this, sounds like a smaller operation. Uh, everything that we've heard indicates that this was more of a, uh, you know, getting, I, I read this as I heard one source say that it was getting rid of a little scar tissue. Um, and that was, and so I do believe that Cam Newton, I think we're in a better spot than we were when he had this uh, surgery in 2017. I do believe that this could be a real, um, is that here? Is at the end of the day, at least we took a step to make go forward. And no one believes, I don't think at this point, that Cam Newton's shoulder is ruined forever. So this is a good step in at least alleviating that. The, 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 the belief that he could be there for training camp, uh, even if they use him cautiously in the first week or two in training camp, hopefully they learned a little bit from last training camp where they let him loose the first week and then they had to shut him down the whole time. You know, maybe they can bring him along a little bit more conservatively in this process and and he can finally get better. Uh, big shout out to Susan Deans as well as Josh from Mass. They are keeping the show and preventing the show from being traded to Buffalo. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, there's a lot of good things when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. There's not a lot of good things when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. Other than their table body slamming thing is remarkably entertaining. Hey, look, I actually got a lot of respect for Bills fans. Throwing dildos on the field and body slamming people onto <laughs> tables. Those mugs, they know how to throw a party, it sounds like. I mean, is it really a party if there isn't dildos around? I mean, come on, dude. I mean, dude the Buffalo Bills are doing it right, man. So, uh, yeah, shout out to them. Keep rumbling, y'all. <laughs> Keep rumbling. All right. Uh, so, Cam Newton will be continued. You can follow him. We have a segment on Cam Watch 2019 on Pirate Radio. That clip's going to do. Uh, and so, every day, we're going to ask until we see Cam Newton is how's Cam Newton doing? It all rests on Cam Newton. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. But let's turn to another legend. While we're worrying about the most current superstar of the Carolina Panthers, the legend, the living legend, Julius Peppers, retired in the past week. And uh, he has gotten a, a royal send-off by the NFL. Let's go ahead and say this, dude. 17 years in the league as a defensive end. Holy moly. He only missed six games in his whole career. Yeah, the, the man was an absolute monster. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I'm going to try something, and this is a little bit impromptu. Uh, tell me, if uh, everyone in the chat, if you will um, be able to have some sound here. I'm going to try and play something, and uh, hopefully this works. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. No sound. 
No sound. All right. Well, we tried. Um, but yeah, Julius Peppers. Let me. I, I might uh, be able to get it. Let me. I'm. I'm just gonna try to play the audio here, and let me see if you guys can just hear this audio. Well, obviously, a big day for you yesterday, announcing that you're retiring after 17 seasons. How did that come about? And after you've had a little time to process it, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm happy. Um, got a lot of got a got a lot of uh, well wishes. So to, uh, yesterday was a great day. And um, I'm looking forward to the next chapter. I'm, I'm happy. I'm healthy. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. To be able to come back to Carolina and close out your career, what does that mean to you that very few players can do that, but you were able to? It's, it's great. It's great. I, I think the I think the whole story, the coming full circle, was, was a great thing. Um, I'm happy to be home and happy to, to finish it out as a Panther. All right, there's Julius Peppers commenting this. And, and that was a big part of the story was the coming home narrative. And uh, I actually was a little stunned about how much it meant to Julius Peppers. What what specifically? Coming back, being re-ingratiating himself with the fans, retiring a Panther. I thought that uh, the way that uh, Panther fans were so salty that he chose to lose, to leave. When... When I when I feel like we could all see the writing was on the wall for those Panthers teams a little bit as well. Look at what Steve Smith did. Steve Smith here it was sat here and and anguished in a career. Had he gone on to another team, potentially could have been like with the Colts and won Super Bowls, been with the Patriots or something like that. But Julius Peppers was booed by fans when he came back. He did boot the football and shush them when he sat when he sat Cam. I do think that was a reminder that I'm still the baddest mofo in town. But I just feel like I I it's not I didn't know to be honest I didn't think that I thought that half of what players do in the sentimentalism towards fans is part fake. I kind of think that it helps the like I almost think that Thomas Davis and some people have used their their bead with the fans to help them. I mean, I don't know if I go that far. I mean, it, it, okay, let me say this. I agree with you on Julius Peppers a little bit, but I genuinely do feel that Thomas Davis has a place in his heart with and for the Carolina Panthers and I do think that it actually does bother him not being able to finish his career uh, with the Panthers. But when it comes to Julius, man, listen, he decided to leave. He wanted to try his hand as being a uh, 3-4 outside linebacker and prove that he was versatile enough to do that. So he went where uh, where he felt he was going to be able to do that. He went to the Bears and then went to the Packers. And um, I agree with a ton of people in the chat. You know, when I saw that video on Twitter, I remember seeing it, and I knew that it was coming. I mean, we knew Julius wasn't going to come back for another season. I mean, that was a foregone conclusion. But then when you see the video and him wrapping it up, it's just I had this feel of, damn, man, there goes another legendary Panther that will never have the chance to hold a Vince Lombardi trophy as a Carolina Panther or at all. And it, it upset me, man. It upset me more than I even thought that it would. And I genuinely hope that Cam Newton and number 59, Luke, that they're not 
that they don't walk the same road of not being able to know that experience. Yeah, I mean, that's the sad thing. You saw uh, legends walk away for the Carolina Panthers, like you said, Thomas Davis, uh, Ryan Khalil. I mean, Steve Smith didn't get that opportunity. He leaves and 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 goes and to the Ravens in this kind of odd fashion. So it is sad. I just was a little bit surprised because we don't know a lot about Pep personally. I mean, even when you see him, he's so soft-spoken and kind of mild-mannered that uh, I was a little surprised that it meant that much to him to put that final arc on his career. I am so happy that it did mean that much to me, and that is reassuring to me because I invest so much in these people. Um, Julius Peppers is the Look, I got the oldest Peppers jersey in the world right here, brother. This jersey jersey is from 02 when he was drafted. My wife bought it for me. Um, You know, so that, that, I I thought that was intriguing. I I, I really like that. And they said, I saw that Bill Voth came out and said that, uh, like, he was seven sentences in. And then Julius Peppers came in with a script and what he wanted to do. And then they made that video and made us all cry. I wasn't sad, though. I wasn't sad. So I was in my feelings. But, you know, I spent the whole day, actually not the whole day, don't tell my employer that, I get to work a little early this this year, and, and so that's good. So, I, you know, I sip my coffee, I don't always just get straight to the email and stuff, and I watched that video that then turned me on to highlight videos from when he was in college, in the pros, and boy, I tell you, the product basketball too. I know the productivity that that Julius Peppers had on the field. I had disproportionately that productivity at work that day. <laughs> like he was so productive. I just watched YouTube videos and that. You know, but I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to really gauge how much people mean to these players. I mean, then you go and see Thomas Davis could be, won't even mind playing for the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to cry. Yeah, no, that one I don't believe. I believe he was in Atlanta and he was just playing nice for the Atlanta media over my dead body, dude. I think, I genuinely believe that you will not see Thomas Davis in the NFC South next year playing for an NFC Jeremy Clancy said I knew TD would ask to play in Atlanta no look he went to school he's a Georgia Bulldog I know it man but listen and look maybe we're wrong and I know you just said you kind of feel there's a that they kind of use it to their advantage uh, to kind of gather some um, both him uh, and Olsen milk it a little bit I don't know man I just feel Thomas Davis is really a panther in his heart I mean, did you see that car that he has? It's custom made. It's black and blue, everything. There's Panthers in the interior. Look, man, that man's a Carolina Panther. I mean, maybe if they offer him a boatload of money, but I mean, honestly, for as much as Thomas Davis was an incredible player, who is going to throw a ton of money at, what, a 34, 35-year-old I don't think he even wants a ton of money. I think he just wants to pay and get paid and play. That's what it seems to me like is that we thought that the Carolina Panthers meant the most to him, but what we what and I think he believed that, but I think also now what he realizes is that football means a lot. To, it means the most to him. 
Yeah, and it definitely does. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll end up seeing what's happening but uh, or what will end up happening. But the last thing on Julius Peppers, man, you're talking about a surefire Hall of Famer, fourth all-time in sacks. I mean, the man is just dominant. He's been dominant uh, just about every year that he's And played. he's a half sack away from being third. A half a sack, man. Absolutely insane. The man's awesome. And uh, I'm happy for every snap he played uh, as a Carolina Panther, man. He will be missed. And I'm hoping that one day maybe we find a dominant edge rusher to genuinely be able to fill those shoes. I do like the terms is that while we couldn't get Julius Peppers a, a, a Lombardi or we couldn't even get Thomas Davis one, I do believe both of these guys are leaving the organization on positive terms. And that yeah. is where not where a guy where that they played one too many years and you're starting to go, we loved you so much. And then that you're kind of your memory of them is tarnished by the fact that they dropped off so quickly is that last year we did not see Thomas Davis or Julius Peppers as the primary weakness of our teams. Well, were they as great as they have been in the past? No, but they were not a detriment to the team necessarily. Right. So I think that's a good thing, the the term. So I, I think I'm satisfied with the way this is going. All right, uh, so we've gone through, we've talked about Cam Newton. We've gone to... Uh, Thomas Davis, Julius Peppers, Thomas Davis unexpectedly. Now David Tepper making some news. Cody, I won't play the videos, but right now is that he's had some fun this week. It's nice having a billionaire as an owner. Donated $120,000 worth of backpacks, I believe. Or just, to con he continues, He's he is having a ton of fun as an owner. And I believe this is I have a boss or I have someone I work with who does not think highly of the NFL ownership group. She is she's a Cowboys fan. She's a <laughs> she's a minority woman and she just thinks that the NFL like these the archetype for um a owner of an NFL team is a super rich white man who's out of touch and uh, doesn't have a lot of, of character substance to them. Now, I know that's a generalization, uh, but, I mean, when Jerry Jones is your owner, I think that that's where a lot of that can come. But you look around the league and a lot of these owners, you look at the Texans owner, you look at some of the stories that cover Ursay and some different things. To me, Tepper is doing a great job of presenting himself as a good dude. Yeah, well, and to your co-workers' credit, it's definitely a billionaire's boys club. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. You have to be in the most upper echelon to even be able to buy an NFL team. So that means you live a certain kind of lifestyle. Um, but at the same point in time, you know, they're also – the organization is making millionaires. I mean, think about the players that come from nothing. They're good at football, and if they do make it to the NFL, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they've got millions of dollars. So, I mean, I see both sides to it. But, uh, listen, whenever we talk about David Tepper, we have to talk about Jerry Richardson 
because it's a man that we never heard from. We never heard anything from him. You know, maybe there's the occasional um, appearance at a Christmas tree lighting or something. But there's nothing concerning him talking about the team or, you know, really being involved even in the community that much. And it seems very important to David Tepper that especially as a brand new owner, he wants to ingratiate himself with Charlotte, with North and South Carolina. And it seems to be very important to him. And I think he's done a damn good job at, uh, at doing that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, right now he has done everything you could want a new owner to do. He's come in and he's already invested himself in the community. He yeah. has, he's getting on the ground, like he's going to ruin right tailgates. He's walking around. And I know occasionally, like back in like 2000, Jerry Richardson would ride around on a golf court every now and then. But I feel yeah. like he's trying to be, look, he dresses in, he dresses like a normal dude. He speaks in a way that uh, shows that he's intelligent, but does not, he's not wearing the Armani suits and the this and that. He feels like a guy that just happened to earn a fortune in the stock market, but still has, is rooted in regular person speak. Now, this could all be a facade as well. You want to talk about that? Who knows? is that the guy also has a pair of brass balls on his desk. He also has a revenge mansion where he uh, basically burnt down his old boss's house and built one that was five times as big on top of it. Um, And he did recent... Well, I'm not even going to get it. But from what we can tell, in the early phase of this, already investing in the practice Mm -hmm. facilities already looking to expand his his footprint or his thumbprint in Charlotte. All signs are pointing positively, and it's just kind of good to have a billionaire owner uh, because you got no problems. If you um, Money is not the issue with this organization. Not that I think it's an issue with a lot of them, but I don't think a million dollars would keep us from getting a coach we wanted. No, and I want to make two points, too. It's not just even with the community, but it's also with Panther fans. So think about how many times this season we saw the Panthers in the all-black uniforms. I mean, we didn't see the the black tops and the silver pants one time this year. And for years, Panther fans have been wanting to see the all-black uniforms forever, and Jerry Richardson never wanted them, it seems like. Uh, and we had them almost all year. Uh, how about the Panther right in the middle of the field? I mean, that's Bank of America Stadium. That's our field. This is our home. And David Tepper, you know, sensed that amongst fans and wants to do things for the fans specifically. And I love that. Uh, we should cherish that in an owner. Um, I also feel as though he's made some statements about um, one, one into, and even as recently as uh, uh, this past um, weekend when he was in the Bank of America Stadium donating all that money, he wants to put a roof on Bank of America Stadium. He wants to host the NCAA Final Four. I mean, this is out of the man's mouth. So it's not only that he has his thumb on the pulse of Panther Nation, but he has a vision 
for where he wants the team to be moving forward. And that's promising, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's tremendous and and uh, very excited about about hearing that the that news. I have just been it's actually it's just so refreshing to to have that that new kind of breath of fresh air. Susan Dean says Tepper stayed in a hotel for three months in Charlotte. He was like a regular guy, so personable. Uh, Lynn has is is complimented on him about his appearances, fan appearances, player event appearances, the latest with Cam's opening. Did he attend the cigar opening? Yes, he was there. And uh, he even uh, wore a, a few of uh, Cam Newton's hats. So, yeah, man, he's uh, he's uh, ingratiating himself with the players as well. Yeah, it's, 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 so it is great. I mean, you're you're mentioning the facilities, the upgrades, the the field logos, the response. You know, he's, he's trying to seem like he's interested in meeting, making this about the fans. So that, so that is, that's important. Lynn says it's like having a new car smell. And B. Amos, <laughs> yeah. B. Amos 85 is right, is that while we all love the all-black uniforms, we don't win a lot in them. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm not into all of that superstition, man. When we have a dominant football team, I don't care if we're wearing pink and purple, dude. We're whooping ass. It's all about personnel. I don't buy that uh, all the blacks are victorious or uh, that cause us to lose or whatever. It's all about football, man. Mm. So I, I am not walking. Come under, on, I'm not Dunn. walking under ladders on purpose. I think the oh. problem is this is I don't think it's the black uniforms. I think the problem is this is the black uniforms don't have black helmets. Yeah. A lot of fans do want that though. I mean, I've, I've even shared some concepts on Twitter that I found online that I liked a lot. Um, I think the only problem with the black helmets is then your logo is only the outline in blue of the Panther head. So it's kind of minimalistic in that sense. But I'm down for it, though. I'm, but you I'm, look I'm like a, a futuristic helmet. soldier. Yeah, look, you don't have to sell me, man. I'm I'm down for the whole thing. And I also wouldn't be surprised if we have new uniforms uh, at some point in our in our future. Yeah, near future. I'm just saying. Yeah. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see other news going on with the Carolina Panthers. I saw uh, Greg Olson put up a sad tweet, and uh, I'll have to go back and find it. But you know who it was. He retweeted a... a I have it. I'll send it to you. What is the football player that he retweeted? Um, Neymar. He's like the most famous Brazilian soccer player in the world. And I don't know crap about soccer, but... um. Yeah, he um I got it. Let's see. It says okay. something. So he puts a up uh, nope, I don't got it. Is that but he also this guy's is, is is suffering from a similar injury, uh, I gather from Greg Olson uh, that Greg Olson is, which is these tiny baby bones in their feet. Yeah. They're yeah, like they, they look like the most inconsequential things, like things that if you were eating uh, a foot like a chicken wing, like you would just swallow it like gristle. And he says, this is Greg Olson says, and it's talking about this, uh, the metatarsal. 
He wanted a new, what he wanted for his birthday present was a new metatarsal so he could be back on the football field. That's a tearful Neymar. And when Greg Olson says, if you find one, let me know. I'm also in the market. Now, I kind of felt I kind of felt that was a little bit playful, more than more than anything else. But I don't know. I, I don't know what you. Uh, I just gathered that as this is that 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 this is what I gather is. I don't know what it means. For I, I don't see it as a, like a tremendous insight into Greg Goldson's current health status. What I do. Right. recognize though is and he said this over and over that this is just this small little bone that's given me all of these problems and i think that he saw himself at such a in a good on a good team um at a good point in his career where where maybe he wasn't getting faster but he was smart enough and still had enough juice in the tank to be a productive to get a couple more decent seasons. And I think that basically it's kind of like one of those things when your body gives out, but your brain is still sharp. You know, it's just like this one little thing is keeping you having this beautiful car sitting in the driveway and a bad battery cable. Yeah. And you know what also is unfair? I mean, it's that what have you done for me lately mentality? I mean, other than the past two years, Greg Olson hadn't missed a start in forever. I mean, he was one of the most dependable players in the NFL. He never missed a game. And then this metatarsal thing in the past you know, two years pops up with him. And now he's kind of known as a guy that's been hurt a lot. You know, and everything that he's done up until then is sort of out the window. So I definitely feel bad for the man. I, I mean, listen, I've said this before, and I'll say it even more that since Cam Newton has been with the Panthers in the NFL, he has not had a more reliable weapon, a more dependable threat on the football field than Greg Olson. I mean, Greg Olson has essentially been his number one receiver minus two years of Steve Smith the entire time that he's been here in Carolina. So I love the man. Look at this, J-Dub in the house. I ain't seen J-Dub in a minute. J-Dub? What's up, brother? Yeah, man, he said the uh, pool was uh, closed tonight. You know, they're having that uh, crazy oh. weather up there, up oh, there yeah. in the Midwest, man. Dude, I Antarctic saw... weather, man. Yeah, I saw this crap. Uh, this was in California, though, and uh, it was on Good Morning America. It, rain- it rained. It snowed 72 inches in 24 hours. Dude, that's so dumb. It that's hasn't so snowed dumb. 72 inches in North Carolina in 2,400 years. Dude. Well, <laughs> in Eastern yeah. North Carolina. But, all right, so, uh, you know, I thought that was sad. <laughs> I, I think with Greg Olson for me was this, is I think it must be humbling to him, and I think that this is where he's frustrated. You've seen it's a frustration, is that something so small when everything else is working so well. He said, this damn foot, it's just this damn foot. Like the rest of his body is sharp. It's not like he's like falling apart. The small little bone or metatarsal or whatever it is holding him back. All right. So what else is on the agenda tonight? What else do we got, Cody? Well, we don't have uh, an ability to. Oh, I'll play the audio. You want to play the audio? Let's play the audio of Steve Smith. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Okay, so let me set this up. 
Um, everybody's doing Super Bowl press. And Steve Smith had a story to tell. This is also related to Julius Peppers. Uh, Steve Smith had a story to tell about John Fox. You have an echo, going, Tony. I fixed it. Okay. Uh, Steve Smith had a story about John Fox relating to Julius Peppers and the draft. And I just thought this was hilarious and uh, led to my theory that John Fox was always a moron, an utter moron. All right. Uh, so go, yeah, go ahead and play it for him. Here's it. a story that nobody knows. First time ever I'm going to tell it. I know for a fact that at that time, Coach John Fox wanted the cornerback out of Texas that the San Diego Chargers picked as number three. Mr. Richardson said, no, I want Pelt. And Mr. Richardson drafted Pelt. John didn't want him. Hmm. And I remember that was a battle. And the cool part about it is Pep was that game wrecker. Mr. Richardson understood one hometown, homegrown talent. He's from Bailey, North Carolina. My daughter's named Bailey, mm. right? Pep is just that guy. He's a guy you feared. He was so good that they actually tried to put him on, on the offense to catch a jump ball, yeah. you know. So <laughs> one of the things, and, and, and the last story about him is, uh, you know, I was 89 my whole career, everywhere I went. And Pep was 90. Man, that was the worst type of roster pitcher, yeah. team pitcher you could have because we was on the step. <laughs> and it was like this. I love it. <laughs> right? And I used to, it, at my first couple of years, I was like, oh, man, I'm short. Man, by, by the other time, I was, on, I was in cliques. Standing on my tippy toes, I was like, "This is terrible." Right? Yep. But it was just one of those I things. Man. One of those things. You know how you play with certain people. You go, "Oh man, it was good to play with him." Man, Pep is one of those guys. You don't say, "I was on the team with the Carolina Panthers." Blah blah blah. It was like, man, my teammate was Julius Peppers. Like, I got to play with Julius Peppers. He just was one of those guys that I will remember as one of the guys where it just kind of sticks out of your minds. Like, man. It was cool, and I and I really enjoyed it. And you yeah. think about that draft class too that he was in. Like Ed Reed was in that draft class. David Carr, Jeremy Shockey. Like yeah. the fact that he's just retiring now and he's and, had such an amazing career. And Quentin Jammer, Quentin yeah. Jammer. That's yeah. what Thank you, Quentin Jammer. Wow. Texas or Texas? Yeah. I remember. Uh, I believe Texas. Yes, I believe Texas. And they, it was, it was unbelievable. The the infighting that they had. Miss Richardson said, "Look, I'm a billionaire. This is my team. Yeah. We're gonna get pep. Hey, team will work out pretty good." It did work out pretty good. Is that now? So some things that come to me right away that I ask: How does he know that story, Cody? He well, was I mean, drafted one year after Julius Peppers. Well, yeah, but I, I think you should, you know, mention what you told me is that Steve Smith and Jerry Richardson, they were very close, having dinner together at certain points in time. Uh, I mean, I, I, I see it very, uh, you know, reasonable to believe that at one point, Jerry Richardson, maybe they're having a cigar and some brandy and they're just telling stories. And you know, hey man, your teammate, your dumbass coach didn't even want that badass defensive lineman that you stand next to every time you take a team picture. 
Um, that seems plausible to me. I think man. that is where where it comes from. Is I think that that's where the intel for Steve Smith on this comes from. Is that he was known for being kind of uh, Jerry Richardson's one of his favorites and uh, very yeah. close with him. And I think that's also why he took the news of how Dave Gettleman handled everything so poorly or or so harshly. Um, now, look, B. Amos 85 says Quentin Jammer was a bust. Now, Quentin Jammer made the Pro Bowl a couple of times. He played 11 years in the NFL. There was another tweet I saw that was based on that video that said Joey Harrington was the guy that John Fox wanted. But I wanted to bring this up. She was, she was talking about some names in that. She said... Uh, Carr, who was the number one pick, uh, bust there. If I don't even like to call Carr bust, is that I think he was broken in Houston. He got sacked seventy-two times in a season, and he just <laughs> never looked. He just looked forever shook after that season, and to the point where large men walked into the movie theater and sat down on the same row, and he just peed himself. Right, is that that? But Ed Reed was in that class. Another one was, who was the defensive end who had the greatest spin move, who played in Indianapolis, then went to Denver? His name was, uh, come on, he is like, he's a Hall of Famer too. He just retired like maybe two or three years ago. Help me out. Indianapolis Colts, the chat room. Where's the chat room when we need you, folks? I know, I know who you mean, but uh, his his name will Freeney. Ken yeah, Dye got Dwight, it. Dwight, Dwight Freeney. Dwight Freeney Ken was Dye's in that man. class, and Ed Reed was in that class, and that's the crazy part about this is some of these guys, Quentin Jammer, Joey Harrington. They it feels like a decade has gone by since they have been in the league, and and Julius Peppers is just exiting yeah ed reed retired five years ago or 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 sooner maybe i, I yeah, feel it, like it's gotta be five years yeah li, li, but yeah because he's a, a a hall of famer now he was inducted into the hall of fame this year and they should have just stuck pep yeah. right in there to yesterday yeah i mean listen uh julius peppers to play that position defensive end that is such a taxing position to play man i mean you're you're in they, they don't call it the trenches uh for just no reason yeah all, the man. position is important too it's not like he played a position that was a protected position yeah 100 percent. and then to play that long i mean everyone talks about tom brady and yeah tom brady is incredibly impressive you know winning a, a sixth super bowl but i, I think julius peppers for what he has done at the position he has played, man, to me, for my money, that's every bit as impressive. I mean, to be able to do that and be that successful for that long. J-Dub asked this, Panther, first Panther in the Hall of Fame, Pepper Smith. I say Peppers because his career, his numbers are so astronomically good. Uh, his career is so impressive. Yeah, I say Peppers because... And I mean, Steve Smith is more beloved as a Panther, but Julius Peppers played a more important position, in my opinion, and the fourth all time in sacks 
Yeah, I'm I'm probably saying Smith. Uh, Ken Dye says Smith because he retired earlier. Into into Smith's credit, played with a trash group of quarterbacks from about oh nine to twenty twelve to well, 08 to twenty eleven till we got Cam Newton. Yeah, um, and, and he did win the freaking triple crown, dude. One year. That's insane. Where you get the most touchdowns, the most yards, and the most receptions. Yeah, man. Stu Smith was the man, dude. That and it, it kind of goes back to what I'm saying, man. That's another Panther legend that, you know, retired without a Super Bowl victory to his name. And at a certain point, you just hate to see it, man. There are players that play their asses off and they deserve to have one. And Peppers and Stu Smith. Uh, are both two of those players. How long do you have to wait? J-Dub says, so Smith doesn't make it then because he's eligible first. Oh, you have to. Uh, if you mandatorily have to wait for four years. No, it's, it's, it's five years. It is that, five yeah. years before yeah, they can. Five years. That's bullcrap. I feel like they should put Pep in like Mario Mariano Rivera. The yeah. first unanimous vote. Just stick them in. Uh, yeah. All right, so then, then yeah, then obviously it is Smitty because I think Smitty makes the haul. I think he should make the haul. I think that he had a long enough career, um, and I think that Triple Crown season alone is a, is the thing to cement it. Uh, I mean, yeah, if we're talking realistic, yeah, it's Steve Smith because he'll be eligible first. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, listen, we obviously love Smith, but do you think, he is a Hall of Famer in the eyes of other voters. I mean, that's a good question, you know? Um, that is a great question. Are we being... Are we too friendly to Steve Smith? Let me see. I want to look up his numbers. Steve Smith. All right. Oh, it says he came in in 01. If that's the case, then he was drafted before Pep. I swear yeah. Pep was 01. They might have come in in the same class, to be honest. I mean, you, you might have your uh, your, your wires crossed on that one. Is it, yeah, if it's a, that's what I thought originally, that Steve Smith was there before Pep. Because he was a six-round pick, wasn't he? All right. He said, all right. So I was wrong. I thought I thought it was Peppers, then Smith. They, uh, okay. So Steve Smith had a total of this. Let's see. Holy shit. Is that right? 1,000 receptions. 1,031 receptions. Holy crap. That's a lot of catches, bro. Yeah, a lot. Uh, 14,731 yards and 81 touchdowns. I wonder who the most recent wide receiver. The most recent wide receiver? That made the Hall of Fame was. Um, T.O. probably, huh? But T.O. and Randy Moss were last year. Yep. All right. So look at what's let's compare. To stats, we can make. Uh, we can compare. I can compare the two of them. Compare to other players. 
Pro Football, by the way, top websites out there in just the the world of everything. One is overthecap.com if you want salary cap stuff. And the other is Pro Football Reference. And uh, Terrell Owens, he played 14 years, 96. They have relatively similar careers, 96 to 2000, 23 to 37. And uh, Smitty was 22 to 37, 22 years old to 37 years old. Let's see. You know, I kind of think his size and his attitude is going to play into his favor. You know what I mean? The fact that he was Good a little God. guy. Ter- Terrell Owens had astronomically better numbers. Yeah, Terrell Owens. That's why people were saying that it was ridiculous that it took into the third year of his eligibility for him to even be voted into the Hall of Fame. Like, I remember on all the sports shows, and that was the topic of debate, is why hadn't T.O. been voted in yet? And he was a diva. He had yada, 153 yada. touchdowns in his career. Steve Smith had 81. And he did have, he actually only had 50 more, 40 more receptions than Steve Smith, but he had 1,200 more yards. Yeah, I want to say he's like third all time or something, something crazy like that. I mean, yeah, T.O. was a beast, man. But like I was saying, if Steve Smith ends up being a Hall of Famer, it's going to be one, the numbers, two, his size, being a, a, a small dude, um, three, being so physical, even for someone his size, uh, and number four, being a, a later draft pick that was overlooked by everyone. Who was the wide receiver that was before Reggie Wayne in um, Indianapolis? That is like their greatest receiver. Once again, help us out, Ken Dye. The best, um, I'm trying to think who is comparable to Steve Smith stats. Let me see what Michael Irvin, but cause he, but he's not the same type of player. Uh, Marvin Harrison. All right, let's do that. We'll do Marvin Harrison and then we'll also do, uh, Michael Irvin and see, wow. We did not expect the show to go into hall of fame talk right here. All right, so Marvin Harrison had uh, 14. All right, here, look at this. Marvin Harrison had 1,100 receptions. Steve Smith had 1,031. Marvin Harrison had 1,400 yards, 1,500 yards. Um, and uh, Steve Smith's got him by, by about 200 yards. But Marvin Harrison has him by, I don't know, Almost 50 touchdowns. Michael Irvin only had... Look at this. Michael Irvin got into the Hall of Fame with 750 catches, 12,000 yards, and 65 touchdowns. Steve Smith's numbers are better than Michael Irvin's. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, him being a Panther fan... I mean, him being a Panther... And us being fans, maybe we're a little bit biased. In fact, I have no doubt that we're biased. But I I do think Steve Smith will have – he will be a Hall of Famer. I think the question is, will it be first ballot? So, all right, let let me ask you – I'll do some research. Do you know what year Steve Smith retired? 
Um, twenty sixteen. Okay, twenty six. Okay, so five years from then. So two thousand twenty one Hall of Fame class. Uh, I'll look that up. So, the the right now the question is is does he have enough? Oh, B. Amos says uh, Irvin got Super Bowls. That helps. That yeah. helps. And let me see. Irvin played uh, less seasons too. Michael Irvin played from '88 to 1999, so he did that in a far shorter span than uh, Steve Smith did. I don't know. I think Steve Smith, I mean, he's close. Is that if he would have had, I'm telling you, if he would have played three more years and had 20 more touchdowns, if he would have played three more years with a better quarterback between 08 and 11, if he would have gone to Indianapolis, he would have been a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's one of those shirts I could have worn you know. Um, so here are some of the people that are eligible uh, in 2021. Uh, Jared Allen, Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, um, BJ Raji, which I don't know if that one makes a lot of sense to me. Um, there, there's a few of them. Uh, so it's it's definitely going to be tough. Jared Allen's uh, getting in. And uh, and and Pep and Pep definitely has better and Pep has better numbers than him. Patrick Willis, Rondé Barber. So yeah, in my mind, it's it's going to be about um, will Steve Smith be a first ballot Hall of Famer? But I, I do believe at some point, yeah, Steve Smith he'll put on a, a golden jacket. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, and we're gonna try to do. The uh, the vid, uh, the free agent preview. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. My name's Tony Dunn. I'm going to try to do the share screen, Cody. I got the uh, video, hopefully, ready to go here. Ooh, nice. Here we go. All right, so what we have done this week is we have, um, or not this week, we have been seeking out potential free agents that we're identifying as maybe, I mean, maybe a long shot last week was Landon Collins. The week before that was Trey flowers. There is, you know, so there's a lot of wishing and hoping in this, uh, obviously, but we're also trying to identify, I mean, we cannot answer everything through the draft and we have to get some players uh, in free agency. We have 19 of them leaving us. So the guy that I'm looking at is Terrell Williams out of San Diego, six foot four, 205 pounds. Terrell the Gazelle, a deep ball threat, a big body receiver. We're losing Devin Funches happily. We're pushing him off the cliff. Now, Terrell Williams, the reason that he could, it's going to be the San Diego Chargers would love to keep him, but they've also got Mike Williams and who's their main dude, which, uh, who is awesome. And 
They have like three dudes with the last name Williams. Williams, <laughs> and then their main guy. Come on, the main guy is. Well, I am really off on my names this week. Is they have they have a guy that is be, that is way better than Mike Williams. So this guy, all right, Terrell Williams. He runs fast. He's big. He is asking for potentially. He says he sees himself as a number one receiver, but also so does every receiver who enters free agency. Tell us as you Keenan Allen. Thank you, Rex. See, if we didn't have the chat room, we wouldn't have a show. And that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. That's the They're truth. They're picking up our flat tonight. That's for damn sure. They dealt with the technical problems to start. Then they dealt with the technical problems that is the host. Right. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts on Terrell Williams and what he could do for the Carolina Panthers and is something like this even plausible? Well, I mean, that's the question right there. So one of the things that plays into our favor is because of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, uh, you know, being better options uh, for Philip Rivers, he only had five touchdowns on the year. So his numbers don't command that number one wide receiver money. So it depends on how much money you're going to want to pay him. Maybe the type of contract that, you know, we would want to sign Devin Funches to, us, man, the organization, that might be the type of money that would be reasonable to sign Tyrell Williams. I mean, the man does it all. Uh, that go route, jump ball, uh, possession receiver, he is incredible at that. If you see these highlights, his ability to be able to go up and pinpoint the football over the defender's head and still come down with it. Absolutely incredible. If Cam Newton's shoulder is back to business, I mean, that's an instant weapon for number one. Um, he runs a full route tree, but the, the best weapon in his arsenal is that long ball. Uh, he's a bigger receiver. He runs a four four eight, so he's still pretty fast for a big man. And I, I'm a fan of his, man. Um, I don't know how much money we're end up we're gonna end up wanting to pay a receiver um, coming this draft um, when we've drafted Samuel and now we have DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey is a threat, and we have to decide what we're gonna do with Tory Smith. Um, All right, so let's know. talk briefly about that. Tory Smith right now is on a on an option, a 2019 option. $5 million. So you cut him, you free up $5 million in cap space. You cut uh, Captain Munderland. I understand, like Ken says, nah, we're okay at wide receiver. I think we need help at defensive end. I don't think we're okay at wide receiver. I think we have promise at wide receiver at the moment. But outside of Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, who do you really got? Imagine if one of those dudes went down and you're talking about putting Curtis Samuel and Jarris Wright out there. You do have to, and, and we have seen that it's difficult when you get to the red zone to have all receivers that are six foot and under is that that's a difficult thing. And having a guy who is bigger, who is taller, but doesn't sacrifice speed like a Kelvin Benjamin does necessarily could be advantageous and is especially this is that you know what you might need you need a defensive end in the draft and in free agency regardless 
But that doesn't necessarily mean either that you don't have other weaknesses. The question is, though, is this guy had a 1,000-yard receiving season in his sophomore year. He did find himself into the depth chart. You know, I mean, it's hard when you have a number one draft pick in Mike Williams. You have Keenan Allen. You know, he did that 1,000-yard receiving year when Keenan Allen was injured, I believe. Right? So, is that is that there is a guy... What I think of this is the guy... This is what... Pro Football Talk says when it comes to uh, Terrell Williams, he says the Chargers want him back, but with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Terrell Williams likely gets mon- more money by going elsewhere. He then They then went on in another article, I thought it was this one, that said that if you go back and you look last year, yes, Sammy Watkins got the payday. But if you go back a year before that and you look at Terrell Pryor, who is kind of a guy like this, who has not maybe not exactly like this, but um, it might be more about giving him a multi-year deal than it is about giving him a giant deal. So, you know, he might be a nine, a 10 year, a $10 receiver. It might be more than what we kind of wish in many ways. But at the same time, I mean, you could extend it. You could do some different things. I put him, who's the Richardson guy that went to, again, a name that's going to escape Paul me. Richardson. Paul Richardson. Um, so Ken Dye says uh, Terrell Pryor 6'6 six, six with sub 4'4 four, four speed. Sub 4'4? Yeah, four, four, he runs a 4'3? He's an up and down player though i mean one minute he's showing he has a number one potential and then he uh kind of disappears well, maybe that's who we should be talking about well I, this, <laughs> this, this, this is my, my thing though i kind of um agree uh, with i believe it might have been ken die who said this earlier you know i, I just in, in my mind you know i'm kind of a football purist i believe that uh when it comes to uh, you know, football, it's one in the trenches. It's one on the defensive line and the offensive line. And if you have problems there, then, I mean, you're, you're dead on arrival. And I think the, the wide receiver position, every year there are gems in the third and fourth and fifth round that end up coming in and, and making an impact somewhere. But later, so, later in their career, this is like a guy that has similar physical attributes of – AJ Green. That's where his comparison player is. I'm just, I'm not a, yeah, a, a, a discount AJ Green, though. I'll, I'll say oh, that. Oh, totally yeah. a discount yeah. AJ Green. Yeah, like not, uh, like not, a Dollar uh, Tree yeah. uh, AJ Green. Ken He's Dye your Vizio television. Ken Dye says he ran a 4.38. So. Jeez. Holy yeah, man. God. I mean, that's pretty fast. Um, I'm of the mindset though, bolster the offensive line, bolster the defensive line, and you know, take best player available uh, in the draft. I'm not. I don't know if it's a good idea to even pay wide receivers uh, a ton of money when I'm kind of feeling now, especially seeing some of the prospects coming up to the draft, they're almost a dime a dozen. The, the bigger receivers and the smaller type receivers. I mean, they do it all now. So, I don't know. I'm not in love 
with spending money on a receiver right now. Um, if we did, I, let, let me tell you, I'm not mad if we signed uh, Tyrell Williams. I believe he would be a genuine deep threat that can go up and pinpoint the ball. Cam Newton would love that. That's not something that DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel are going to be able to do. And if we don't have Devin Funches, then there's no one on the roster to even be able to do that. There's so, just not a lot of defensive ends in uh, in free agency. I mean, they say yeah. it's a deep draft. They say it's a deep free. But you're talking about Cameron Wake, who is 37. You don't want to do that. Muhammad Wilkerson's defensive tackle. A couple. Dante Fowler's out there. Ezekiel Anta. Yep. Now, he could be intriguing. But at the same time is that if you're looking at, uh, at getting a guy to play aside Addison, you don't need a guy that's very much like Addison, right? Uh, Shaquille Barrett, edge rusher from Denver. Uh, let's see who else we got. Sheldon Richardson, defensive tackle. I'm starting to think this, and I wanted to, I was looking at, and we were trying, I was trying, D Ford is another one. Jadavion Clowney. Some of these guys are going to get tagged. I don't know if I believe. I, I I think we saw Trey Trey Flowers to me is the most legitimate of these guys. I don't think I want Brandon Graham from the Eagles. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence he ain't going nowhere when it comes for the Cowboys. I wouldn't think. So I was thinking about this, Cody, as I was trying to figure out who we were going to pick for this week's segment when it came to the free agent better get to know a free agent segment. And I started to think more and more that Daryl Williams might be the free agent that the Panthers are truly interested in signing. As you look outside the league and you look around the league and you're trying to identify a guy that you could substitute is there's not a lot out there and you're familiar with him and if you have some kind of information about his health going forward, it wouldn't be the worst signing as long as you didn't overpay. I mean, I would, I would like I said before, if we signed Tyrell Williams, I would be happy with that. No, I'm um, talking about Daryl Williams. Offensive offensive tackle. So I was looking at the list and I was trying to find a list of people. I was trying to find a list of people and I'm looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And I'm sitting here going, there are no tackles out there that are worth a damn. It seems like Marshall Newhouse. And, uh, and then there's a say, you know I mean? People, everybody's dealing with injury. Matt Khalil is trash. Daryl Williams could be serviceable if healthy. All right, so then two things about that, though. Now we, we're going to have Matt Khalil, which and this is what's going to annoy people, but I will kind of come to the realization. Matt Khalil isn't going nowhere, man. I, no, I, I, I no, one more think, year. One more year. Yeah, and, and so in my mind, that's kind of saying that if we're going to put Matt Khalil at left, uh, at left tackle – that means we're going to have Taylor Moten at right tackle who did well there. We're not going to play Matt Khalil, though. He's going to be on I, the team, but he ain't going to play. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I want oh that to God. be true. 
But Tony, think about our coaches. Think about how they, they've hitched on the players that, you know, us as fans, we know that they're not a serviceable player, but yet they play them anyway. I mean, what, do I need to say a mini Silatolu? Do I need to say that name one more time? Please don't. Please don't. Silatolu. How's that? How's that? I feel I mean, like you're, you're saying it in a mirror three times and somebody, like some monster is going to jump out of the shower or something. Yeah, say Sandman a few yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. That's what I feel oh, like yeah. Amini Silatulu's name is. I mean, listen, you know, it. I the 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 mindset that you hear people say, pay Daryl Williams, put him at right tackle, and put Taylor Moten at left tackle. Well, then you have to ask yourself, do the Panthers believe that Taylor Moten has the potential to be a starter at left tackle? I do. And I think that when, when we did play him there, he did pretty well. I mean, he did a good job on the left side for the few snaps that he played. Um, but with that said, I'm, um, I, I honestly don't know why you would pay Daryl Williams and not Andrew Norwell. Andrew Norwell was a much more proven prospect. Because you don't got to pay him uh, $64 million because you can pay him so 20 Because so he's coming off an knee injury. Andrew so Norwell was an all pro or a pro bowler. The Cardinals or uh, Buffalo. Th- th- there's no guarantee that they're not going to throw the bag. If Darryl that's Lewis. the case, then we can't do it. But if if you can get in there because you have a relationship with him. Uh, all right. Now you're talking me out of it, jerk. You <laughs> hey, man, I'm just being a realist, man. I'm just being a realist. I just, I, you know, I would, I would listen. I would love to sign Daryl Williams, but I just don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, they're either going to hitch themselves to Matt Khalil for another year and then put Taylor Bolton at right tackle, which, to be fair, I believe that Taylor Bolton uh, was drafted to be a right tackle in the NFL. So, with that said, you know, Daryl Williams kind of the odd man out, and they're going to pay him somewhere else. I mean, I don't know. If I had my brothers, I'm drafting a left tackle in the first round, putting Taylor on the right side, you know, drafting a center guard at some point too, and um, and moving forward, man. We have to build a wall around Cam Newton. Build that wall. Build, build that, that wall. Around Cam Newton. And even – Look, even the president of the United States said, if it's necessary, we'll build that wall with people today. So yeah. let's build a wall of people around, around Cam Newton. Thank you. Thank you. The State of the Union address from the Carolina <laughs> Pan- from Panthers fans. Build that wall. Build that you wall of people. First. I think how awesome is it to be Daryl Williams, to be honest, a guy who's a third round draft pick who has suffered with injuries throughout his career, had one good season in the NFL, but because he plays a position where everybody is getting abused at throughout the NFL, he's coming off an injury and looking like he's, he's the 30. Let me see right now, according to pro football focus, he is hold on. The 18th overall rated um, free agent. That's head of Jawan James tackle from uh, Miami. Crazy. 
What man? Who would have thought? You would have thought Daryl Williams was one of those guys that had promised that injury is going to ruin his career. Daryl Williams had injuries, and they're going to get him paid. All right. Yeah, uh, I mean, he had a good year in 2017, but I don't know. Coming off that injury, I, I just and th- this is the last thing I'll say. The last time I heard any rumors about the inside talks was that uh, they, the offer that they put out to Daryl Williams was a lot lower than the money that he wanted. So they were right. far apart. Yeah, so he knows that, what's that up. He's not out. looking to, yeah. All right, uh, let's go ahead. This is the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. It's the most interactive podcast. Look, we've got some. Uh, we've got one of the larger off-season audiences watching right now that we've had since the Panthers have fallen out of it. And that's after 15 to 20 minutes of technical difficulties going to the old throwback hangouts here. We appreciate it. Smash that thumbs up button. Continue to support the show. And you do that in the chat room and on the cat calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. You can call anytime and leave a message. We'll play it on the podcast. The number is 252-228-5098. 5098. Let's jump into this week's calls and see what you so guys got. What are your got. thoughts on catcalling? Yeah, it's pretty. Sh- you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So, how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels two, good, like. And a three and a four and a- Who's that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in his nose? Who's that kid that can use one? Hi there, Panthers fans. It's Rich in Wembley. What's um, up, Rich? Yeah, so I'm just staring at the arch over Wembley Stadium, and it's another new colour. Hopefully, it'll be Panther Blue sometime next season. Um, yeah. yeah, I was just going to talk a bit about the draft. I know Cody and I, and you and Tony, we've been going back and forth quite a bit. Um, so, all the guys that I've mocked for the Panthers and uh, in my 500 mock drafts I've done, going in the second, third, and fourth rounds, it now looks like they're all going in the first round. So, names for everyone to look at. Uh, Dalton Reisner, Garrett Bradbury, Michael Dieter, Bo Betrazul. Basically, any guys from Wisconsin look like they form a decent line. <laughs> um, we're now being perhaps mocked Jawan Taylor of Florida as well at tackle. Um, I think from all the mocks I've seen, if we get lucky, um, there'll be some quarterbacks. If there's quarterbacks taken... I'm picking at 16. There is going to be one or two blue chip players for us to choose from. Um, there's about five edges, edges between Bosa, Josh Allen, Ja'Kai Polite, Brian Burns, Cleland Farrell. Uh, then the tackles, you've got Jonah Williams and Juwan Taylor and Cody Ford, Dalton Reisner, um, the NC State guys might know appropriate center. He knows what's up. Lindstrom yeah. of Boston College. There's a load of really good guys, and that's not even going into the Clemson D-line guys. Um, that you also know better in uh, Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence. And then the cornerbacks, you know, there's going to be someone, and obviously my favorite, Adelieber. I don't know if you want a safety in 16. You want him. If he was still at 25, you'd want Adelie there. But I think we can get something really decent. Anyway, it's off-season. The Super Bowl's over. The Patriots have worked out how to play football, unfortunately. Maybe we will as well. (laughs) Anyway, guys, great podcast. Uh, and catch everybody on Twitter. Keep bounding. 
All right, that is Rich Kingston there. Now, throwing out a lot of names. He has been doing a ton of mock drafts there. The Panthers at 16 are not in the worst position, but what we will learn about, what, and they're not in the best position either. You know, it would have really been nice to have a top 10 pick, another eight overall pick like when we got Christian McCaffrey. But at the same time, I think what really we have no idea is that while there's talks of even outside linebackers, safeties, we know that there's a giant need on the offensive line and defensive line. All of this will be answered as free agency opens up. And it tells us ultimately if the Panthers are having to push their chips to a certain position. Now, I don't think they'll back themselves into a corner entirely. Maybe Dave Gettleman would have done that, even though he said that was the worst thing you could do. But Cody, if we go out and we get... We go and spend a ton of money and get a center or we get an offensive lineman in free agency or you spend a ton of money and you try to get a defensive end, then you know that, hey, those other positions are on the table. But if you don't do that, either of those things, and you try to fill it and plug it with guys like uh, F.A. Abada and Wes Horton, you know there's a time that it's time in the draft to really make a statement. Yeah, and listen, man, shout out to my man, Rich, because he's picking up what I'm putting down, that it's time to build this offensive line, man. This name an offensive lineman, Cody Ford, Dalton Reisner, Garrett Bradbury. Bo Benchowell. Bo Benchowell. Yeah, look, look, I have converted Rich Kingston to my offensive line cult. He wants to build that wall, man. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving that someone listens to me for once. Um, and by the way, listen, I'm going to shameless plug here, man. Uh, tomorrow, there's a brand new mock draft on drafttech.com. I've been working hard on these, writing good comments for the website. There's a new comment for round one and two every Wednesday. So check that out. I'm putting in good work over there, drafttech.com. Um, but yeah, listen, there's a free agency has to happen first. And listen, man, I'm excited for the draft. It cannot come fast enough. The combine is this month. So my Twitter is going to be lit up uh, with content. So check that out. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about a lot of the prospects in this draft. Our free agency is going to determine how we end up attacking the draft. Another uh, bit of news to come out from Roto World is there is a rumor that the Panthers are very involved in wanting to find a safety in the draft. So I don't know if that tells you something about us signing Eric Reed to an extension or um, Adams, which Adams is a million years old. We have to nah, find someone to replace him. Go, please go. Go. Yeah. Go. Not Reed, but. Adams. Yeah, yeah, Adams. He's 100 years old. 100 years old. Time to move on. Um, But uh, a guy that uh, Rich loves is uh, Nasir Adderley out of Delaware, which is another highly rated Who's that kid from Marshall that injured? I saw uh, that you were talking with him today. Harris, maybe, or something. He's injured all these players. We we were talking on Twitter today. I think he was from Marshall, or at least he was playing in Marshall that day. And he like just blew this dude up. It was just today where you're on Twitter looking at it. And you said, I like, there's a lot of safeties. That was your comment. There's a lot of safeties late in this draft that you like, and you still haven't given up on, on 
Rayshon Galston. Yeah, Malik Grant. Malik Malik Grant. Grant. That dude, that was a violent ass hit. And he didn't even look back to check to see if the guy was okay. He just like looked off into the distance and just knew that he just destroyed somebody's life. Yeah, man. This is the dude (laughs) six foot two, 205 pounds. So, you know, there are there are legitimate threats to be had uh, later on in the, in these rounds, you know. Um, so I, I'm, I'm definitely interested in um, spending some draft capital at the safety position. Um, I'm ready for it, man. Susan and, Deed uh, said, send Matt Khalil over the wall. She wants Matt Khalil deported. I think we're on to yeah. something. Build the wall. Build the wall. <laughs> Not around, not around Mexico, around Cam Newton, damn it. Priorities. Oh Cam Newton first, then we'll start talking about your Mexico mess. Yeah. Cam Newton is way more important than the border. What is it going to take for us to get a wall around Cam Newton? Do we have to go play a game in Mexico City? We might need to sacrifice Matt Khalil at the altar first. <laughs> oh, the Aztec altar at the yeah. top. All right. Throw in a Mendesilla Tolu, too. <laughs> that one just sounds like it could just, you know, he would fit right in. All right. The number is 252-228-5098. Hey there, guys. Josh from Mass. Everybody What's up, Hey, Josh. Uh, everybody out there, glad to be a part of it again, and I uh, hope you're all having a great Tuesday night. Hell yeah, Anyhow, man. Oh, I, I think uh, the first thing I need to address is, is what a lot of us, we're getting laid on even even through that other game that happened uh, a couple of days ago. Julius Peppers retiring. I know not a lot of us saw it coming. I mean, we knew, we kind of knew this was it, but seeing it actually happen, seeing seeing his little goodbye video there, it, it really set it home that that's it for him and that's it for for Thomas Davis and and yeah. You know uh, what I would call backbone guys, uh, just as far as team morale goes, and you know I thought that was really one of the things maybe maybe kind of glossed over by by so many, and especially the, the writers and the press, and even us to an extent is, you know, what, who's going to be the locker room guys? Who's going to step up and fill the void left by by those guys? You know, no more Ryan Khalil. No more TV, no more pep. You know, who's going to be there for the cast of newcomers? Luke Keekley. You know, we need to get younger, but I think yeah, but he's not really a rah-rah type of guy. That veteran experience is, is just so invaluable, um, especially when you have talent like McCaffrey and DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, um, you know, Dante Jackson, and then – I'm assume, I'm thinking we're going to draft a DE this year, one way or another. So, you know, who's going to be there for those guys um, to just kind of show them the way, not just of the game, but of uh, handling yourself. What a tough you, question. You know Outside of Luke Keekley, what time. a great question. Thanks, Josh, for Mash, for that question. Fantastic question. Is that it's is uh, look is that. It's got to be Luke Keekley. I know you say he's not a rock, but he is. He is personable. He is. Uh, he is a guy that will speak to the media. Uh, I think he could. You know, I mean, he's beloved by Panther fans. Um, you know, I think it's gonna have to be Cam Newton at this point. I mean, it's just Cam Newton, 
and Luke Keekley. And then we're trying to coach up Christian McCaffrey into that role next. But outside of that, there is, I mean, like you got either some soft spoken, some guys, the legends that are kind of like he said, the backbone of the team. I think losing Ryan Khalil is probably going to create a larger void in the locker room than we thought. Yeah, and look, shout out to Jay Stevens, uh, Steverson, uh, DJ, Dante Jackson, man. I think that's a guy who, as he starts to come into his own, I could definitely end up uh, see Dante being a vocal leader yeah. uh, in, in this Panthers locker Confident room. enough. Now, yeah, and granted, it'll be his sophomore year. But, yeah, I kind of think that you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, you know, the – our, our team on offense and defense lives and dies by Cam Newton and Luke Kixley. And we know this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel Cam Newton has been a leader in the locker room, even though he doesn't get a lot of credit in the media for that. Cam Newton has been a very good leader. All the team, all of the players say so. Um, but Luke, you know, now that Thomas Davis isn't next to him, it now he has to do more than just be a badass on the field. He has to be a, a general, a commander general to really go out there and have his boys play on all cylinders. Because right now, our defense does not have that I think person. without Thomas Davis there, I think you saw Luke Keekley assert himself even with Thomas Davis on the field. I think now without someone above him in seniority as well as someone who he respects as, as an equivalent type player caliber player i think that the idea is i think luke keekley can be even freer to step into that role yeah yeah i think so and really he might not have a choice man because there are no uh there are no leaders right now on defense you know other than mike adams and you and i just said come on the dude's 100 years old Um, maybe it could be kk yeah, yeah, good point, man. Maybe I mean, it's that, short. Yeah, Maybe that, it's short. A, is that he's a guy that is it's just stand-up dude, passes out Bibles in Chicago. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves. The problem with the Carolina Panthers at this moment, and if you go check out Charlotte Vibes' page, he's doing a lot of player interviews, and it's surprising. It's not a problem. It's just surprising to me. You expect all these guys to have personalities like Dante Jackson, but they don't. Like Ian Thomas, uh, James Bradbury, Moten, these guys are the soft, like they're the quiet people that never talk, you know? So I think it is difficult for them to step in and, uh, and, and fill some of that when they just don't. You know, Pep is like that. To be honest, Pep was never a locker room leader. He went to a team where it had Erlacher on it and he had Peanut Tillman on it. And so he could shrink into anonymity a bit and just let his play speak for him. I Maybe KK is the guy. Yeah, I mean, K1 short. Mario Addison is another name. If he's going to be here another year, and I mean, he, he definitely is. Um, you know, th- there are a few guys that have to step up now. I mean, it's time to reload. You know, that's what we're doing. We're reloading. We have the core, but now we're adding some more pieces. 
And yeah, we need leaders in the locker room that are going to be able to take command and tell all the guys we got to defend our dirt and and get the job done. So, yeah. yeah. That's the guy for me. My answer right there is KK Short. Look, we got another call that just came in from the Cat Coles line. Cody, you might know a little something about this. Hey, I got a question about uh, McCaffrey and his wear this year. What about drafting someone to take the load off of him? Uh, Ooh, that's from Ray Lashney. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that's uh. That's my brother. Listen, if they wanted to be anonymous, there's no way. I'm calling them out. That's my brother, John. He's a Saints fan. I love him anyway, whatever. But it actually is a good question. Because, um, I mean, we saw we had uh, C.J. Anderson on the roster. And, and what then, if he gets hurt? What if Christian McCaffrey yeah. got hurt? Seriously. I have, yeah, no, done. I have a name for you. Okay. Um, Elijah Holyfield, running back out of Georgia, and yes, if that name sounds familiar, it is because that is the son of the real deal, Evander Holyfield. So uh, that's a name. Um, Henderson, Daryl Henderson out of Memphis is another name. But no, he hits the nail on the head, man. Christian McCaffrey had like 80 or 90-something percent of the uh, of, of the snap. I don't think he missed the snap until like week 14, dude. Yeah, or man, wait, maybe it was like week 16. Like he played more, 100% of the offensive snaps. More snaps than Ezekiel Elliott had, than Todd Gurley had in the middle of the season. I mean, I mean, we ran him into the dirt. And then after the season's over, Ron Rivera's like, yeah, maybe next year we'll try and tone that down and dial that back some. Man, dude, it's. Ron Rivera frustrates the hell out of me so bad. Um, Ken, Ken died with the joke of the night. He says, but does he have, he's talking about Elijah of uh, uh, Holyfield. And he says, but does he have his father's ear? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, not like night. <laughs> maybe not like Mike Tyson does. Maybe not like Mike Tyson does. Not the same. Uh, All right. So good calls there. Um, good things to be thinking about. The problem with the Carolina Panthers at this point is that there are so many. We're like a big piece of Swiss cheese at this moment. Like, there are a lot of holes and a lot of. But the good news is they have to be filled. We have to play next year. We have to field 53 men. We will figure out a way. And sometimes when you think you got your best roster, you don't. And sometimes when you don't know what's going to happen. The roster can be filled nicely out. We'll hope for that. All right. C3 Panthers podcast. Let's do this. I do want to talk briefly. We mentioned we got to talk about the Super Bowl. And um, we have to, though. Yeah, is we do have to talk about it. One is I'm a little on. I'm a little on Trey Wingo's side here. I am annoyed by people saying it was a cruddy book game. It was a defensive showdown. This was a Ron Rivera Super Bowl right here. A wet dream for Ron Rivera. Yeah, I did think, look, I thought the defenses came out slugging. I was more impressed. I was was surprised by how good the Patriots defense played. I, I think this is that while they did frustrate the Rams offense, they were just, they were, they were playing with their hair on fire. 
But I also think the Rams defense played tremendous as well, 13-3. to To me, there's only one simple thing to talk about when it comes to the Super Bowl is that is 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 the aura of Sean McVay has there been any uh, has there been any, any dampening to the brightness because the strangest bizarrest thing ever is Ty Gurley put on the shelf it doesn't make any sense and I don't want to hear this crap about clearly he was injured because clearly he wasn't or clear nothing was clear that's my point we don't know if he's injured we don't know if he's not injured he says he's good the coach says he's good they say he's good maybe you could say that smoke and mirrors before the game cody but after the game why don't you just say this we thought that todd didn't have enough in him we thought he was dealing with that he was hampered too much by injury so we had to try some different things why wouldn't you even use that as an excuse if that was the case i'm a girly man what the hell happened there are you a girly man, Tony? Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you heard it here first. Um, but, you know, I mean, listen, I, I kind of think that the, the game plan, if you look at the Rams all year, their first plan of attack was to run the football. And, and Ty Gurley had a breakout year again this year. I mean, he, he was in the MVP race. Uh, but at, at a certain point, he just absolutely fell off a uh, fell off the map, and I do think that changed what the plan for the Rams was uh, in the postseason and in the Super Bowl. How do you say someone falls off the map when you don't put him on the field? I mean, he wasn't healthy. I mean, in my mind, he wasn't healthy enough to carry the load that they'd been asking him to do all season. And, and then, you know, at the end of the season, he's just – he's invisible. I mean, all right, Tony, why, why would they just say, oh, C.J. Anderson is the better of our backs? And not play Todd. I mean, I don't. That's what I'm saying. Well, first of all, is this is I looked at what the Rams were doing and their offensive line was struggling. That's the thing is that look is that is that they put Tiger. One of the things is they put Todd Gurley in a couple of times and then either didn't give it to him or um, he was tackled in the backfield. It did not look like it was a limitation. That was the problem. CJ Anderson did zero as well. So I get, as I understand in a logical world, it makes sense for us to say that Ty Gurley was injured, but he's over there standing on the sideline saying he wants more carries. Ty Gurley with one leg is better than half of the league. And then you're looking at this. You're talking about a team where like uh, Lynn says, golf was a deer in headlights. To me, this was a problem with the offensive line, and I think that McVeigh wanted to pass first too much in this game. And once then, like, they couldn't establish the run, they didn't establish the run, play action didn't matter one bit to him at that point. I just don't understand why you don't run Gurley to the outside a couple of times earlier and see what happens. There's no way that, I mean, how injured was he? I mean, I I feel we're gonna find out in the coming weeks uh, about how about how injured he was. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you, but I, I just feel as though he had to be pretty badly hurt because you're not just gonna say, you know, after having an incredible season, oh, C.J. Anderson's the better option, and let's depend on Jared Goff, who, by the way, I kind of think has been exposed 
uh, a little bit. I mean, he was missing some wide open receivers uh, in that game, too. I kind of think uh, Jared Goff is an undercover turd. <laughs> whenever, oh whenever. Now we got to hear is that here comes Billy Marshall and, and them to. No, I know he's on that, too. And, and listen, I, he goes hard on him. But, you know, I, I, I do feel that there is some legitimacy to the, the narrative that, I mean, when you look at Cam Newton, Cam Newton is always having to make magic, okay? Jared Goff, whenever things are going his way, the offensive line is fine. The receivers have five feet of separation. Boom, he's dropping dimes. But when he has to make magic on his own, I mean, the dude falls apart. And we, we've seen it against the Bears, uh, the, the Saints. We saw it a bunch. So, yeah, I kind of think that Jared uh, – yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not too high on him. Kendai says that young QBs rarely play well in the Super Bowl. Big Ben won hit when he won his Super Bowl when he first came into the league he had a QBR A rating that was less than his age. It was twenty two point six. That was his QBR rating and winning the Super Bowl. Look, is that I think I don't think Jared Goff played well. Um, I mean, obviously he didn't play well. They scored three points. I think it showed early when he was running, uh, like early in the first quarter, maybe the first series that they had the ball, and he just didn't throw it away. Like he's running to the sidelines, and he's like waiting for something to develop, and the dude caught him. I've never seen that. When you're running to the sidelines and yeah. you're about to get caught, you chunk it down the field, you're out of the box, and he didn't even do that. He tried to like throw it at the ground out of bounds. It was crazy. I and zero athleticism too. He had he had a lane to be able to run and just couldn't. I think though the store I do think some of this, I think a lot of this falls on Sean McVay. Uh, I don't And listen, somebody brought this up. I saw this on Twitter, and I'm not a Rams fan. I don't follow them closely enough. But he said but the person said that Sean McVay is is a game planning genius. But when the game plan, when the other team adjusts. He has trouble adjusting. He said he didn't oh, have yeah. a good feel for the game. He didn't say he said he didn't have a good f- feel and flow for the game. I think this is just as much on Sean McVay as it is on anybody when it comes to the Rams, because their offense, the highest one of the highest scoring offenses in the league, could not find a way. And they couldn't find a way. And you're trying to tell me that in trying to find the way that they couldn't find, that they didn't explore path, lane, Todd Gurley. (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't You think there's some kind of conspiracy going on here. I just know. I I just don't think it's this is that I think that uh, I'm not saying that he's a bad coach. I'm not saying he's not. I, I just think this is that at the very minimum, you have to walk away with criticism equally. You cannot, he cannot be immune to criticism with the idea that Jared Goff is just a limited quarterback. I mean, can't it not be a little bit of both? No, I'm saying, yeah, it can be, but you have to be able to say, yes, there's limitations with Goff, but McVay did not do what was necessary from an offensive genius whatever point. Yeah, listen, no doubt. Um, But, I mean, okay, think of it this way. If going into the match, a fortune teller came to you and said the Rams are going to hold the Patriots to 13 points, 
in your mind, uh, do you think that the Patriots are going to win that game? No. Being no. held to 13 points? No. no. And I think that the only thing that was more impressive than Wade Phillips' defensive game plan was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, who is now the head coach of the Dolphins. The, the Dolphins. Wade Phillips. I walked out of there going again, once again, Wade Phillips is a freaking defensive genius. Holding yeah. Tom Brady, making them look pedestrian. That's my point, is that there's got to be something there that you can't muster up more than three points. Really disappointing. Overall, um, you know, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of calls. I just, I still, I'm just stunned by the girly <laughs> stuff. So most people, though, said it was a boring Super Bowl. They didn't like it. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't, I mean, I'm, I'm of the mindset that I'm not a fan of either of those teams. So I'm just watching it because it's the Super Bowl anyway. The thing about a defensive showdown is it's not fun until the very end because then it's still close and all these plays matter even more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, it wasn't fun right. by any means. It, it wasn't especially compared to last year with uh, the Pats in Philadelphia. Or the year before. Five, yeah, throwing for 500 yards or an epic comeback or whatever. It just wasn't any of those, you know. And then to see Tom Brady hold up another one. Oh, my you know, God. I know. It's nauseating. Wash, rinse, and repeat, man. I know. You know? The evil and I knew it Evil I knew. exists in the world. It's like we are with as Carolina Panther fans with Cam Newton as our 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 Michael, our Archangel Michael, Warrior Angel, is that we are gonna have to go and take down evil. Evil is real. It really exists and it has manifested itself in the form of Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots. And by the way. Cam Newton-led Panthers are undefeated against, against the evil. Against evil. Good will win. It will prevail in the long term. But, but holy crap. It all starts with building that wall, baby. It all Build starts with fortifying wall. yourself against the dangers of evil. Build that wall. Wall. Wow. Nah, uh, what about commer quickly commercials? Uh, is that it's pretty simple to me. The NFL 100 commercial was tremendous. It's the best one of the best commercials I've ever seen. It was so, so many awesome moments. Even when Franco catches the shoestring, everything was so great about that. Even Tom Brady telling the youngin to hold all his rings. All of it was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun, man. I mean, I'm a nerd. I'm a I'm a Game of Thrones super fan. So the Bud Light commercial where the mountain uh, crushes the Bud Knight and the dragon comes, I, I, I ate that shit up. I'm I'm hyped as hell for the final season. Um, that was fun. I um, like the Olay the, commercial where the girl they couldn't recognize her face anymore in the iPhone facial recognition, and then. Um, I know it's kind of corny, but I like that. And I like the one where it was the texting with the wife about where to eat dinner or whatever. And then he like was deleting it. Some of these are also age appropriate or like what just matters to you in life. Like I don't watch Game of Thrones. So that one didn't resonate as much with me. 
as yeah. did some of the others. So um, I, overall, I would say the the to me, you guys said that the not you guys, but a lot of people talked about the boringness of the Super Bowl. I say uh, the boringness of the halftime show. I thought the halftime show was terrible. Oh my god, I I'm wanted to gi- die during that halftime. I'm show. a giant outcast fan like yeah, because i grew up in the 90s listening to rap like uh when big boy andre 3000 all of that i mean even that was like like even big boy's part won't even that wasn't cool you know like oh, unless man. you're bringing out uh, uh, andre with him and resurrecting just for a moment outcast like it just wasn't nothing hit home to me at all in it and- and do does uh, the the lead singer from Maroon Five? Not only was his face just so bored during the entire time, if you noticed it, but does that guy not have the worst tattoos ever? I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to the man's tattoos. They're just placed everywhere on the man's body. And the what's his California name? Is it Adam Levine? The best yeah, I yeah. saw somebody put up on Twitter a comparison of him and it said California. And then it showed this fat dude in Iowa <laughs> j- j- guzzling this beer who had a tattoo <laughs> of Iowa across it. It's just like, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, just lackluster there. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, who cares, really? And I don't really thing, care about the halftime I, show. I'm usually driving from one bar to another at that point anyway. And on Reddit, it, there was a, a big deal. They wanted uh, for them to play SpongeBob, Sweet, Sweet Victory. It, there's a clip from the show, and they, they sang uh, Sweet, Sweet Victory in the SpongeBob show. And Reddit wanted that to be in the Super Bowl. And they even teased it. They showed SpongeBob for a minute and made you feel they were going to play that song, and they never did. So the whole thing was a mess everything's Terrible. gonna be anticlimactic since we have prince and you two uh, at halftime everything else it's gonna be hard to to muscle up against that i mean you're gonna need to bring in a heavy hitter like jay-z or something i don't even know what you could do who cares i don't care about the halftime show let's care about this let's care about closing this show out <laughs> all right we need to get some ice up picks in here uh this is the time of the show where we um honor that legend Steve Smith and tell someone to ice up son. Anybody is fair game. We're going to tell someone to ice up, to toughen up, to get it together out there. My ice up pick this week, because Cody, you're going to need to go ahead and do your share screen to show your video. I don't know if it will. I don't know if it have the sound. I can uh, probably, if you need the sound, I can do it. No, no, no sound necessary. All right. So my set pick goes to, hold on, where did it go? Did I, you're trying to tell me I, I closed the window. Holy cow, why do I got to do these things? Control, it, it goes <laughs> to a story here, and I was all that pro football re- reference crap I was doing. And, all right. So, St. Louis police officer, Charged in fatal shooting, a fellow officer asks for end to rumors. That's the title of the sh- of, of the headline on CNN. So I am icing up 
Nathaniel Hendren, 29, is accused of killing Caitlin Alex, 24, on Thursday at his residence. Um, and uh, he's he's he is upset that there is gossip surrounding the accidental death that it was more than that that it was murder but here's what happened two police officers partying at his pl- at their place or drinking and the two allegedly took turns holding a revolver containing one bullet and pulling the trigger so they played um russian roulette where they did this where the first story I read is that the guy that they shot just into nowhere, then she took the gun and shot at him. Then he took the gun and shot at her and killed her. Now to me, I don't know about y'all when it comes to math, but like you got to know that if you got away with two clicks on that sucker, that the boom is coming, right? The second of all thing is this, is that, Come on, man. Like, I know that, look, is that this isn't an anti-police moment on the show because, look, I appreciate anybody who serves their society. But we do have to caution worship of any group of people, whether it be firefighters, teachers, policemen, public officials. This is just dumb right here, right? It's just straight dumb. Is that you're playing Russian roulette and you're two police officers... I don't know what's going on here. I am kind of with the innuendo is if you're dumb enough to play Russian roulette with each other. Um, I think that this sounds fishy to me personally, but I'm icing up uh, idiots. And in this case, one that took the life of someone. And I mean, look, I don't want to trample on somebody's grave, but this is just not a cool. It just is a bizarre, bizarre story. And uh, I got to say, don't play Russian roulette, folks, or you might have to go on ice as I ice you up. Yeah, don't play Russian roulette with a loaded gun with your friends while you're on duty uh, as a police officer. That uh, seems pretty self-explanatory. Um, so yeah, my my ice up pick. Uh, you know, as you as listen, everyone knows there's only one Super Bowl winner, uh, and there has to be a loser. And eventually that losing team has to come home. And I live right smack dab in Charlotte, and I was so proud of the Panther fans here in Charlotte. After the Panthers lost the Super Bowl, they came out in droves to see the buses come home and meet the Panthers off the bus and tell them how much we love them and how much that season just kicked ass. We loved it so much. You know, what they did for people here in the Carolinas, and we'll never forget that. Um you know, the Rams had a pretty damn good season, but it really didn't appear that their fan base cared too much about it. <laughs> oh, God. Look at all them Rams fans, baby. Oh, Lord. Yeah. LA represents, son. Wow. That's some dang pathetic right there. Now, at first, I'm like, all right. Maybe this is like four, 12 blocks away. Yeah, there's that four, maybe five people right there. At first, I'm like, all right, am I being duped? Because that, Lynn that says it's not true. Up. Lynn says it's not true in the chat. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. 
Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I have fickle. not seen any evidence to that being, uh, you know, uh, fake or whatever. How do I stop the damn screen share? I'm stupid. Uh, okay, you got yeah, it. And go. my mom's here. And mom, my your your student's dad played in the Super Bowl for the Rams, not brother. Sorry, right, so my mom's I in the chat room. Up. Maybe I didn't die. So Legacy Lens is uh, is telling me that we're no no uh, just for gonna let, just go ahead and ice up that video. Uh, yeah, all right, three guys. Up that video. Because they were promoting that on Twitter, like that was all the fans that that showed up. So uh, whoever promoted that video, um, yeah, I up. But I wasn't. Um, that no, no one was disputing it either. So I don't know. I believe Lynn. She's in California, so I'll I'll take her word. Guys, so. see if there's a prole on the roster for the Rams. All right, so there's our ice up pick. We got a lot to go. We got to get out of here. It's eleven seventeen. We had some problems early enough, uh, early in the show, but we got through it. Cody, uh, tell them how they can follow you on Twitter. At C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Cody Lack on Twitter. There's a brand new draft tomorrow on drafttech.com. Comments for the first and second round. I've been putting a lot of effort into them, so go and check it out. And uh, that's it, man. That's all she wrote for me. All right, my name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. We encourage you to smash the thumbs up button on YouTube to subscribe to the show uh, and to interact each and every week. Use the cat calls line. The number's 252-228-5098. We'll be back here next Tuesday. We're going to get those technical difficulties worked out and get you back into the most interactive podcast out there because we're going to be back on Facebook Periscope. We'll get all that worked out. Whatever we got to do, I will figure it out, right? But until then, keep pounding. Keep pounding, y'all. All right, we're out of here, Cody. Subscribe to the C3 Carolina Panthers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere you can catch an RSS feed. Check out CarolinaCatChronicles.com for the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Great cash, homie. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.